according to our calculations, the break-even point of milk value was around $10 per hundred pounds. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dairy Science Digest. This is a podcast designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to the ears of dairy producers. My name is Reagan Bluel, and I'm from the University of Missouri Dairy Team, and today we're meeting with Dr. Zelmar Rodriguez from Michigan State University. We all know that, that getting the lactation started off right is the key to success, and there's several parts to that equation, but one is well understood, that if that cow gets mastitis, she's just slow to start. And so Dr. Rodriguez and his team of researchers, they were working towards possible solutions to attack subclinical mastitis there in early lactation in hopes of capturing a cure that will improve profit over her entire lactation. So we're focused in on this month's featured Journal of Dairy Science article titled, The Economic Impact of the Treatment of Subclinical Mastitis in Early Lactation Using Intramammary Nicen. So Zelmar, welcome to the Dairy Science Digest. And before we get going, could you please introduce yourself a bit to the audience? Yes, Regan, thank you for having me. My name is Zelmar Rodriguez. I'm a dairy veterinarian. I'm originally from Uruguay. I work in the dairy industry during or five years in Uruguay and in New Zealand. I did my PhD at the University of Minnesota. And after that, I joined Michigan State University, where I work right now as an assistant professor at the Veterinary College Large Animal Clinical Science Department. I have a three-way appointment. I do teaching for veterinary students and graduate students, but most of my time is dedicated to research and extension activities. And so my research focuses essentially on developing effective management strategies to optimize sustainability in dairy farming, mostly from a milk quality point of view. Mm -hmm. Very good. And so that obviously makes sense that you were looking at different drugs to potentially help milk quality. And so let's let's dive right in. So what exactly is nicin? Am I even saying that correctly? N-I-S-I-N. Nicin, correct. Mm-hmm. Yes, nicin is an uh, antimicrobial peptide. It's uh, naturally produced by a bacteria called Lactococcus lactis, and it has a gram-positive spectrum of activity. Uh, it has been around actually for a long time as a food preservative, but uh, more recently it has been explored as a drug to to treat mastitis. Yeah, so it's a preservative agent. And so as I was kind of reading up on it a little bit, so it's I guess it's commonly used maybe in in say fruit and vegetable production. Would that be safe to say? Well, yes, and uh, the thing is that it's not toxic for humans. And I, I'm pretty sure that most of us have consumed sometimes some product containing uh, niacin, yes. Sure, because it's um, naturally producing. And so I just want to say really up front, before I lose any listenership here in the early stages of the podcast, this does not require the dump of milk, right? Uh, and so kind of just keep listening and, and let's learn a little bit about it. How did you determine if these cows had subclinical mastitis? Yes, let, let me mention something that you said before. One of the greatest benefits of nicin uh, is that doesn't require me discard. And if you think on the drugs that we have available today, we have five drugs nowadays. And if you follow label instructions, 
or if you, in case of safety of four, you are using a, a short treatment duration, we are talking about four to five days of middle scarp. Right. At the current prices, that is very costly. But to answer your question about how to determine a cow is subclinical, well, in this model that we with our colleagues, we identify subclinical mastitis based on California mastitis test, CMT. This is a very popular test. The benefit is that we can identify subclinical mastitis at the quarter level. It is an imperfect test. We can identify cows with a minimum of traces, which would be equivalent to around 400, 500,000 cells per mil. So you can imagine that the specificity is pretty good. Pretty good. We can identify healthy cows with a lot of confidence, but the sensitivity is not great. We are missing some cows that can be actually sick. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and so that California mastitis test, it's, golly, it's been around for decades. And as I was reading your paper, I was thinking to myself, I bet there's a paddle and some purple solution in nearly every dairy barn that's listening in today, right? Um, we, it might be collecting dust, you know, far too often, a lot of guys uh, have it available, but maybe we we haven't implemented it into our fresh cow protocol, and perhaps that might be be something to consider because I was really impressed with how accurate California mastitis test to, uh, to be. And you know, really, there's only it, there's only a false positive about 19% of the time. And so, basing these treatment protocols off of the California mastitis test gives you that exact quarter on the exact day that you're wanting to to look at it and um, and helps empower dairy producers from the pit at the cow side to to make some decisions so what day did you really target in early lactation and why we uh, assumed CMT test by day four and day 10 in milk. So that would be around day seven. So essentially we decided to use CMT because first of all, it's, it's a great tool, but we need to remember that when we apply a treatment, what we want is to identify quarters with an intramalmy infection. What the CMT tells us is if somatic cell count is high, most of the cases, as you mentioned, high somatic cell count was associated with an intramural infection was not always the case. There was an, uh, something like 18% of what would be false positive. So cows with high somatic cell count or, or a, a mistake in the identification, mm -hmm. but that didn't have an infection. Yeah. So we want to avoid those. Now, we, we decided at day seven to do a test because what we wanted was to prevent a potential infection, so clinical infection, to develop over time. Mm -hmm. Essentially, if you have a cow that have an infection, that infection can become chronic, can become clinical, which is associated with clinical treatment and milk discard, or can uh, eventually spontaneously cure. If you are able to stop the cycle as mm -hmm. early as possible, you will have greater benefits. That's why we choose very early on making the test and intervention. You bet. Absolutely. Well, and I guess if I could rewind just a little bit, for those of you that have used the purple solution in the California mastitis test, but you don't necessarily understand how it's working, he's he's talked about how it's it's identifying those somatic cells, right? And so those white blood cells inside the solution will break open. 
and that purple solution will bind to the contents of the white blood cells that are there likely fighting some sort of intramammary infection and so that's why in the paddle you're starting to see it gel up and such because it's it's actually responding to the content white blood cell that's breaking open so you you get a a negative test on the cmt if you have no white blood cells or no infection or low somatic cell count but maybe she could have white blood cells in her mammary gland that's not affiliated with the intramammary infection but most of the time it is let's let's be real she just doesn't often have white blood cells there unless unless there's a reason right so when we go if we talk a little bit more about those intramammary infections can you dive into what factors determine the effectiveness of of this niacin treatment well based on our model milk yield uh, productivity of the cow was the most important uh, by far but there was also some other factors the cost of the drug the bacteriological cure rate uh, the pathogen causing the, the intramural infection which is also associated with the cure rate and the test characteristics i would say those are the were the most important ones okay so there's there's all types of different mastitis what types of mastitis does this niacin treatment not touch it doesn't target staph aureus or gram negatives. If you think about subclinical mastitis, usually is caused by gram positive pathogens, mm-hmm. but because Staphylococcus usually has very low spontaneous cure rate and bacteriological cure rate, even using drugs, it is not in the label. And in our model, what we assume is that if you have uh, intramural infections, by Staphylococcus or gram-negative and you give the drug, there is no, absolutely no benefit. It would be a loss of drug, essentially. Yeah, you'd, lo- you'd lose the cost of the, of the actual drug. Golly, we just can't seem to find the silver bullet for Staph aureus or, or E. coli, those gram-negatives, mean club Cielas that kills cows. Uh, we're not there yet, but, but this will definitely help towards your gram-positive, which are more commonly going to be causing your, your subclinical mastitis there in early milk anyway. Yeah, so, the, the, good, the good thing about intramural infections caused by gram-negatives is that mm-hmm. most of the cases they spontaneously cure. I think that we tend to oversee the, the ability of the cow to mount an immunological response and actually spontaneously cure, right? And that is what happened with most of the gram-negative cases. That is, if, if you think on clinical mastitis, we tend to say, do culture, know what you have, and if it's a gram-negative, just don't treat the, lead the cow. Yeah. Um, deal with that. The, yeah, those supportives. I call those your your gold star cows, right? If if she's supported enough to where she has that immunological response, she's she's just going to self-cure and then she gets gold star, right? Uh, just like in kindergarten, all the kiddos that learn how to spell get a gold star. And so she just does does what she's supposed to do. Uh, but those gram negatives, they can be they can be pretty evil uh, for sure. Can you expand on on milk yield? So was it high producing or low producing cows that had better responses? The ones that had better responses were the high producing cows. Let me give you a bit of background on the analysis that we did. Essentially, we calculated the, the cost of subclinical mastitis, right? If a cow gets infected, we'll have different outcomes 
as I mentioned, can spontaneously cure, can become clinical or chronic, or transmit disease to our cows. If we can prevent this cow to get sick, to, to progress to, to a clinical stage or transmit the disease, that will have a positive impact. If the cow is a high producer cow, the economic benefit would be higher. Much larger. Right? Yeah, more milk. So, mm -hmm. so those are the, the high producing cows are the cows that if you want to make a protocol and target certain cows, those are the, the ones that will give you the, the higher, uh, the larger benefit, economic benefit. And if you think about are essentially the multiverse cows, right? Second mm -hmm. lactation, third lactation are the, the higher producers. Yeah, well, let's let's dive right into there as far as uh, economic benefit. What? Let's focus in on the on the multi-parasy animals. What what sort of uh, return on investment do you think dairymen should expect from a treatment in niacin? Well, we we had an average of nineteen dollars. So essentially, if you have a case of if you have a cow infected and you don't do anything at all, which is the status quo right now uh, during lactation, that would have a cost of also clinical mastitis. Now, if you do the treatment with uh, nicin follow the CMT and the treatment, that will reduce the cost of mastitis by $19 per cow. Mm -hmm. What does treatment look like? Is it a serial treatment every 12 or 24 hours? What What's the label recommend? The label was three intermammary tubes, 12 hours apart. So it's essentially day and a half. When, when you're trying to decide as a, as a herdsman whether or not you're going to implement this project, what are some assessments that you should really dive into to make sure that this is a good, a good idea to begin with your fresh cows? Right. Well, definitely, I, I would say milk price. As milk is more valued, the effectiveness, the cost effectiveness of the treatment makes more sense. And this is the same for any uh, drug intervention. Uh, according to our calculations, the break-even point of milk value was around $10 per 100 pounds, which is way lower than the current price. And that is a good thing because at the current price, which is around $19, $20 per 100 pounds, essentially most of the herds would benefit from the intervention. When the price dropped, to 13, 12, 10 dollars, then it's more difficult to have a positive economic return. But I think we are, with the current prices, we are far from that low, fortunately. Yeah, right. Well, and I guess I, I would challenge listeners that while we're waiting on FDA to kind of dot their I's and cross their T's, perhaps maybe we could all implement a subclinical mastitis assessment in our fresh cows because it it never hurts to know what the prevalence is and always with mastitis regardless here we've got here we've got an opportunity to treat a tool in our toolbox but you know the the best thing of course is prevention and so as you're going through and assessing all your fresh cows and determining what rate of subclinical mastitis you currently have in your first week of lactation maybe you could look back to your close-up cow pen and reassess bedding opportunities or overstocking. There's all sorts of different assessments that you can look at there prior to freshening that could have implications on subclinical mastitis prevalence in your herd. Exactly. And I would like to highlight uh, training. That mm -hmm. is uh, important. It is true that the prevention is what pays 
the most is the most effective strategy. We have been working on a, on a research project right now, training farm personnel and measuring uh, milk quality. And let me tell you, training people on how to do a proper milk routine impact positively the, the milk quality, the ability employees to identify clinical cases in the parlor, to do yeah. a proper disinfection that will reduce new intraomer infections. So keep your people updated on what they have to do and why they have to do it. That definitely will have a positive impact on, on reducing mastitis. Guarantee it also, you know, and even training within the treatment protocol of this niacin, because it maybe maybe she's a false positive, but if you if you insert this tube incorrectly, you could be inoculating her with some sort of pathogen, right? And so uh, clean, cleanliness even at the at the treatment level. So awesome. I can't wait to see. You've got to publish that training paper. That'll be a good one. Yeah, uh, it was super exciting. I thought that for a moment, I thought I won't find anything, you know? Yeah. I, you, that, that type of studies that you think that you spend the whole summer working. And you right. Have, right. But it turned out really, really nice. So. That's awesome. You know, and that's that's the human element of of dairy farming and we can't get away from it, you know? And and those those boots on the ground that are doing the daily tasks, if they're not in the know, you're sunk. So, I was reading through the paper and the model was talking about some some true savings, some tangible savings when you modeled on a 1000 cow dairy. Can you talk about uh, you know, what what would be the cost of implementing this niacin versus its return? Yes, well, that, as you say, will depend on the size of the herd. We model a thousand cows herd just to give a clear number of what would be a savings at the herd level, which were around $12,000, depending on, on the type of herd. We, we gave a, a range, but we also gave the savings at the cow level. So any producer that have 500 cows, 100, 100 cows, could relate to those values. So the values at the cow level, the savings per cow should be the same, around $20, let's say. Mm -hmm. um, because if you think of the, at the prevention management, the milking process, the way how we do the California mastitis test, the milk price, all those factors don't vary by the size of the farm. So. Right. I, yes, the, the individual cow cost would be similar. It's a, it's definitely a fairly complex model that goes into trying to create the economic assessment of something like this, because I think every listener out there realizes that milk price is certainly not static. Uh, and so, so yeah, but even with, with all of those assessments, the model clearly said that greater than 90% of the time, you're going to get a positive return from this niacin treatment. And I think that sounds really positive. And maybe there is the black and white research model, all of those different data collected. But guys, isn't it easier when she just doesn't have mastitis, right? And if this is something that can help prevent that, sometimes there's just really not a dollar amount you can apply towards just the, the knowledge that you're helping her get into the next phase of production more effectively. So, but it is really nice when it returns $19 a cow also covering all costs. So very good. Well, where are we at on FDA approval? Can guys purchase these tubes tomorrow? Uh, not tomorrow. As I know, the 
company, uh, companies called Imusel, they they still have the product under uh, FDA review. I was actually talking last week at the National Mastitis Council uh, conference with a representative, but they told me that they expect to launch the product in any time in 2024. So hopefully we will have another tool at our disposal to work around mastitis. That's fantastic news. And I love having tools in our toolbox that we can use to make management of our dairy herd easier. So so we have all got that CMT bottle of solution, maybe collecting dust because we don't take the time to pull the paddle out. But we do call the milk tester out every month. Could we just use those hot sheets uh, from DHIA to to treat with niacin, would that work? Well, it may work, yes. Um, DHI, I mean, it's a great, great tool. And if you are already using it, I think that uh, you should take advantage of that. The limitant of the DHI is that it's collected at the cow level. So we have a composite sample. So if you have a cow diagnosed as subclinical, let's say over sure. 200,000, the, the infected quarter will, will have to, um, at least six, 700,000 cells per ml. So that means that you are leaving behind uh, many um, subclinical cows. So, and then you still need to do a CMT because you need to identify which is yeah. with subclinical. You wouldn't mastitis. want to treat all four of them, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> exactly, yeah. you, you don't want to treat the four. So, you know, if you think at the hair level, it make at the cow level makes sense because you are more certain after a, a DHI and CMT that the cow that you have effectively have high somatic cell count and is more likely to be infected, but you are leaving many other cows behind. So at the hair level may not be the optimal approach. But this is something that the producer needs to discuss with the veterinarian and and depending on a risk that the producer is willing to take, mm-hmm. maybe a, a good option too. Yeah, every herd's a little bit different. And so definitely okay. taking taking that into consideration and working with your herd vet for the appropriate protocol. One of my favorite questions to ask, is there one specific take-home thing that you'd like Boots on the Ground Dairymen to gain from your informative project? Well, uh, if I had to give you a, a take-home message, I would say, well, first of all, I... I want the daily man to know that there is a, a new tool coming and if you are planning to use it in your herd i would say it makes total economic and, and biological sense as any new product in the market i would say start easy have your your house in order with the prevention strategies have your cows clean get your milking protocol very well known by your your employees and then maybe you can start by high producing cows, talking with your veterinarian and checking new clinical mastitis cases, new chronic cases, and adjusting the protocol to identify subclinical cows as you prefer, as, as is more convenient for the management situation of the farm. And if you feel comfortable and, and willing to, to continue, I would say then would be a good time to extend the treatment to the rest of the herd. Very good. Well, um, I, Dr. Rodriguez, this has been very informative, and I want to thank you for your time. Uh, Regan, it was a pleasure to be here talking to you, and, and thank you for your, the listeners um, also for their time.
And listeners, I applaud you for taking time out of your day today to learn a little bit more about how to stop subclinical mastitis right in the tracks. I've really enjoyed our conversation. This has been the February edition of the Dairy Science Digest, which is a monthly podcast project designed to bring the Journal of Dairy Science straight to your ears. We highlight peer-reviewed research articles that are actively impressed in the Journal of Dairy Science. It's sound science that you can base your management decisions on provided by your University of Missouri dairy team. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to get future editions straight to your cell phone. This has been Reagan Blue with the Dairy Science Digest, and I hope you have a great day.